There's a guy in the Bible that we hear so many stories about. We've all heard about him. We've, we've all made comments about him and, and different things that he's been through and things that he's done when he put his foot in his mouth and a variety of things. But I want you, if you take your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew in, in chapter 26. And the days that Christ was crucified, there was, there was a lot of people riding on the fence. Last week, you talked about the triumphant entry, and, and people came in, and, and people threw their coats down, their clothes down, their palm branches down for him to ride in on, and, and they were enamored with him, and they were excited about him, and, and that's one thing about excitement. It, it could be so moving upon their life at that time, but a week later, it's the same ones were yelling, crucify him. And that's where we are this morning. We're at the resurrection. But Friday, we, were, we were, had people that last weekend were here worshiping. And maybe through the week, they, they basically said crucify him. They had no value in their relationship with the Lord. So here we are about 2,000 years ago and, and dealing with the life of Christ. I wanted to tell you, you look awful uh, impressive out there tonight, out there this morning, I should say. Um, the disciples, the Jews, the political leaders, all of them, all the followers of Christ were at a, a turning point, they were at a pivotal point of, of where they were going to go. If they were going to follow him, they were going to abandon him. And, and in the natural, rightfully so to a degree, because their minds had been so geared up about the triumphant entry that he was going to become the new ruler and the new king of Israel and, and all kingdoms be under his domain. And, and then things began to go a little differently. It's not that different from us today. We do a lot of things and we become a lot of things because society says we should and, and we don't really become the 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 follower of Christ that we should because things get in the way. This is in the garden. If you've heard about the garden, you know it was a place of prayer that Jesus often went to. And, and this particular time, he was, he was separating himself. Chapter 26, verse 38. And he went a little farther and fell on his face in, saying, in prayer and saying, O Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but as thou wilt. And I want to stop here for a minute because I want to think about this cup for just a minute. What was in this cup? What was so, so figuratively speaking about the cup that was so burdensome to him? If I, I listened to Leonard Ravenhill this week, and he was talking about years ago, he pastored a church up over in, in England, and, and uh, it was the biggest church he'd ever pastored. And, and one day he was walking down the road, and he was going to his uh, appointment he had with somebody in the church, and a little lady outside stopped him, and he stopped me, began to talk to her, and she asked him to come in for tea. Well, if you know anything about that culture, everybody had tea. About five o'clock in the evening, they would meet for tea and they'd drink their tea and they'd go on about their business. But this lady asked him to stop and, and come in and she was a very poor lady, very poor. She didn't have anything to, to, to offer. She said, no, you probably won't come into my church because I am I'm poor. I can't give any offering. I can't do anything substantive to your church. And he goes, no, I'll come in. So he came in and he sat down and he said, it was extremely filthy and dirty and things cluttered up and things all around. And, and she picked up a cup and he looked at the cup and she's fixing it. And he goes, oh, I do not even want to drink out of that cup. It had some dried leaves, particles on it and... and well, you can go the rest of it. Well, she made the tea, and, and she got it all ready for her, handed it to him. And, and not only was the tea, the cup dirty, the cup filthy, and had residue on it, it was also cold. There was nothing that, that, that was enticing him. Nothing about it was enjoyable. And he said, well, I don't know if I can take that cup. I don't know if I can drink that dirty cup. He goes, you drink it. He goes, well, I don't think I can. He goes, you drink it. And he said at that moment was the moment that he realized exactly what Christ is going through. He was at a pivotal place. The cup that he was going to take, the, the cup that he was going to uh, be participating in, had nothing of value, anything substantive of anything of, of a, a looks of beauty. It was all of heaviness and depression and oppressiveness and, and things that are going to come against him. Let's continue to read. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, could you not watch this one hour? 
Watch and pray that ye enter not to temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. Listen, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again a second time, and he prayed, saying, O Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thou will be done. And he came again, he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And I'm going to stop there. I begin to wonder about, about Christ and what he was going through at that time. These are just some thoughts that ran through my head as I was thinking about him this week and last week and, and this morning as I was putting them on paper. Can I go through with this? Can I go through with this? Do I want to go through with this? There's been a lot of things in life I didn't want to go through. There's a lot of things in life that you don't want to go through, but you have to go through. You don't have any choice. Because the, out, the outcome of, the, of the, your children's life depends on you going through the things you have. Father, is there any other way? Man, I remember, I remember different events in my life that were so disheartening. And, and I'd always try to remain faithful to the Lord. And I never understood when bad things happen, but they always will. And they always have. And they always will again. I know when I lost my father, I was devastated. I understand, why, God? I was a young boy. I was a boy, but a young man, 25 years old, and he was gone. Uh, tragically, he was murdered, and, and he was taken away. And, and I often wondered why. And then uh, years later, we, our first granddaughter was a, was a, she was taken to two months. And I begin to wonder why. And you may be sitting here, me masking, uh, holding God accountable for a lot of things in your life that have happened that you don't understand. It don't make a lot of sense. But it never made a lot of sense back then for him to take a cup of, of that he had to take of. I'm looking to Jesus. I'm thinking he's in the garden, he's praying, and he's, he's asking the Lord for different direction about things. And then he, I thought it even came to his mind, Father, what about Judas. I'm sitting here, I'm going to go through all this stuff, and even Judas is on, is on his way to betray me right now. Here he comes, I can hear him off in the distance, he's coming to betray me. I don't understand. He was one of the 12. It was an emotional decision. Why were the apostles asleep? What was the most, as the most taxing, or the most trying time in his life? Go to Luke chapter 22, I'll go there in just a second. We face trying times too. We aren't exempt from troubles. For some reason, when we come to Christ, and, and many, some people have gotten discouraged when they've come to Christ and have given their heart to him, they don't understand why things have, have went bad and why things don't go as, as planned. There's been times in many of your lives that you thought this problem's never gonna end. And I thought the same thing. And Jesus had to think the same way. How much turmoil was he in? See, if you're like me, most of my life I've thought about Jesus in the resurrection, the crucifixion. I thought it's no big deal. He suffered. He, he went through a lot of, of pain and, and, and disappointment. And, and I began to think about all the little things that were wrong that seemed to be going wrong in his life. But when you go to Luke, in chapter 22, verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as great drops of blood falling down to the ground. I want to explain to you what that, well, there's a term for it, a medical term. It's called hematidrosis. Hematidrosis is when you're under extreme uh, stress. And I know I've, I've been through a lot of stress. And I'll be honest with you, when I get under a lot of stress, it's pretty obvious. So things that happen when I get into stress, my words start going together. I start getting, my, my oldest son, Tyson, tells me I have Miltilis attacks. Well, for those who don't know who Miltilis is, it doesn't matter. Okay. But I do. I have Miltilis attacks. It isn't because I'm, I don't prepare or anything, but it just happens if I get nervous. And Jesus was nervous, and he was dreading a lot of things he was going to go through. And as he was praying, he began to sweat so intensely 
that his pores opened up and his blood came out through his pores. Mark, if you would, chapter 14. How many of you have ever had to eat your words? Yeah, I have. Um, when uh, they were going to have men's breakfast yesterday, they went ahead and had it. And under my influence and my, 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 uh, my opinion, I'd say, guys, you pre- prepare a message or prepare a, message, prepare a breakfast for about 25. There'll be half the guys come. It's turkey season. It's Easter weekend. And Bobby Blair, being the smart aleck that he is, he called me and goes, uh, how's men's breakfast? And I said, well, I couldn't go. I had to go get a bounce house. He goes, oh, yeah. He was cracking up, and I knew something was up for him to call me. And I said, why? He goes, there's 42 there. I knew his point. <laughs> and it was taken. And yesterday we had the egg drop, and there was, a, there was, a, there was several hundred, lots of hundreds, hundred, a bunch of people. <laughs> and so people asked me, what's my opinion of that? And I said, well, there's, there's probably, you know, I figured four or five hundred. And uh, I, I, well, I corrected again. There was a whole bunch more. But, but it doesn't matter. But what was I even saying that for? What was that? I mean, oh, I eat, eat my words. That's it. And, uh, but I'll eat my words like that. I'll eat them. That's no problem. I'll take them and swallow them. They may not be tasty, but I'll learn from them. It doesn't matter. Okay. Mark chapter 14. There was a guy by the name of Peter, and he had some famous words that he said. He said, man, Lord, I'm going to follow you. It doesn't matter what happens. Uh, 14 verse We're going to read another part, and we'll go back to that. You heard, the, you heard the blasphemy, what do you think? And they all condemned him guilty, to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him and to butt and cover his face. Now, it was significant. This is the only place in the Gospels that it said they covered his face. Why would they cover his face? There's a lot of reasons. Maybe they couldn't stand to look at him or whatever, but they covered his face. They spit on him in the face. It's talking about Christ. And they covered his face, and then they began to hit him. They began to spit on him to cover his face and buffet him and to say to him, prophesy. And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. And Peter was in the... Peter was beneath in the palace, and there cometh, cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, looked upon him and said, also was, Thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what you say. And went out to the porch and the cock crew. Now jump over to, chapter, to, Matthew, uh, to John chapter 21. There was a lot of lessons in, in, the, in the crucifixion and all that went on, but this is something that really took place in, in, in Peter's life. It was something that really got his attention. But they spit in Jesus' face and put a veil over, front, over, over his face. They made fun of him. They ridiculed him. They hit him in the face. And now listen to this. If I went up and I put a veil over your face or cloth over and I began to hit you in the face because there was multiple people there. There wasn't one or two people uh, accusing Jesus, but they all began to hit him in the face. What do you think happened to his face? What swollen? It got swollen. He got black eyes. He got a bloody lips, busted nose. His face was automatically dis- disformed a little bit because of their abuse. His face is swollen. Blood and flowed from his nose and his mouth. He endured all these physical attacks, but the emotional attack was worse. In your life, and many of us have maybe went through a beating or something in high school or junior high or whatever, in grade school, kindergarten, but we went through something that was, it was very hard. But the things that stick with you are the things that are emotional. Emotional. John 21 
whenever Peter had said that, let me go back just for a second. When Peter had said that, and Jesus had just went through all these things, before he took, before the cock crew, or when the cock crew, it said that Jesus turned his eyes and he looked upon Peter. That was alone was enough because then, because all the other times he wasn't around to hear it. He wasn't around to see that Peter denied him. But that was the one point that went into the Peter's life and he looked at, looked at his life with, with the Lord. They can never be the same. And you know what? Sometimes we feel like we can never be the same with him because of something that we've done. Now, we'll go to John. Simon Peter said, I go fishing. And they said unto him, we go also with thee. And went forth and entered to a ship immediately, and they toiled all night, and they caught nothing. Why would he... He was the one that was known to be close to Christ. He was the one that was always saying things. He was loud and, and, and brash and, and, and promoted a lot of things. But why would he say, I'll go fishing? And not only did he say that, but everybody went along with him. Because there's a lot of times when we stick our foot in our mouth far enough, when we do something wrong enough, stay with me. Even though we've understood his grace, we've understood it, we've followed him and we've seen it from a distance and, and we understand it. Now we feel like we've done so much, there's no way. I, I can't even humble myself to go before him. I, I, I'm not worthy of anything he would, hey, could ever give me because I'm so, I'm so unworthy. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew, that, knew not that it was him. This is after the resurrection. And Jesus said unto them, children, you have any meat? And they answered him, no. Now who was on the boat? They were, and the disciples, and Jesus was on the shore. And he said unto them, cast in on the right side, and you shall find. They cast in, they cast in there, therefore, and they were not able to draw in for the multitude of fish. Let me just stop here for a second. So many times in our life, we feel like God would totally forget about us. He wouldn't have anything to do with because of what we've done. Maybe we've turned our back on him. Maybe, maybe we've chose a different lifestyle. And let me tell you, I've got to be careful. It doesn't matter what lifestyle you've been involved in. It doesn't matter how gross the sin is. It doesn't matter how perverted it's been. His grace is big enough to change the most contaminated person in the planet. I said this last week and I didn't go any farther. But when Jesus, the woman was taken in adultery and brought before Jesus, and, and he asked, Lady, where are thine accusers? She said, he said, Where are thine accusers? She said, No, no one, Lord. And he said, I accuse you, I don't accuse you either, but go and sin no more. That is the part that we seem to forget about. The, this is a little sideline. But the church is so uh, anti these things or anti, let's say, homosexuality or perversion or, or any type of uh, sexual sin that we're labeled as, as being homophobic and all these things. This is Easter. What am I doing? Uh, but Jesus said, go and sin no more. He never justified it, but he never condemned the person. And that's where you and I have got to get this straight in our head and our, our relationship with the Lord. We're not about condemning, but we're not allowed to, we're not going to just bend over and say it's okay. So with what we say, we say there's a place for forgiveness and then walk in that forgiveness. Okay, while well, I'm here, I might as well say here. If you don't have a, you may have a, a problem with that in your life, but you, or maybe you don't have a problem with that in life, but maybe you have alcohol. Or maybe it's drug addiction. Or maybe it's gossip. Or maybe it's out talking about people and not necessarily gossip, just expressing your mind, telling people what you feel like you need to say. Go and sin no more. There's one thing in God's, in Jesus' eyes, there is no room for you to continue in your sin. And I don't care who you are, I don't care what it is, there is no place to continue in it but there's grace to get you out of it. I'm going to get really close here.
Luke 23, verse eight. I'm jumping around a lot, and as you have seen, there's a lot of scriptures about the crucifixion and all these things, and so there's so many parts. Verse eight. When he saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long time, because he had heard how many things, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. This is like a uh, like a celebrity come in and, and just just want to see him as King Herod. He, Jesus was sent to him from, from Pilate, and he sent him that way. And and you understand it maybe maybe in a minute. Then he questioned him with many words, but answered, but he answered nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him a nod and mocked him and arrayed him with a gorgeous robe and set him again to Pilate. Why did Jesus not talk to him? Verse 8 says that he didn't say a word to him. He was intrigued by Jesus. He had heard a lot of things about him. He wanted to see him. How many, what happens to any place that you hear that there's a, a move of God and there's people being touched and lives being changed? People flock to hear that. It's just part of nature. But why, why would Jesus not talk to him? I'm going I'm to close in a minute. I want you to go back a little earlier into the life of, of Herod and John the Baptist. Go back to uh, Mark chapter 6. Jesus didn't answer him because it didn't matter. It didn't matter what he said. He, was, he could make fun, but he wasn't going to do a miracle to impress him with anything. Mark 6 and verse 20. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy, just man and holy, and observed him when he heard him. He did many things and heard him gladly. There was something, there was something different about John the Baptist, something different about Herod at this point. And he was excited when he heard him speak. When a convenient day was come, the Herod on his birthday made a supper to the lords and high captains and chief estates of Galilee. Let me just cut through it. Jesus had John the Baptist killed. Let me say that again. Herod had John the Baptist killed. At this particular time, there was, he had a big party and he was so excited, Herod was, and his, grand, his uh, daughter, came in to, to dance before him, and he was so pleased with her dancing. But I'm going to stop there for a second. The problem was this. Herod was with his brother's wife. And John, and, and John the Baptist said, you shouldn't be married to his wife. Now, take into consideration, this is all leading up to the time of Christ. You think Jesus didn't know who killed John the Baptist? You think Jesus had some reservation? Jesus knew he was going to die, but why would he give him the gratification of knowing anything when he knew nothing would change? Jesus was not a showman to, to be challenged to do something. He would do it in front of them. And he was the same way with, with Herod. Herod wanted a show, and he was unwilling to, to fall for the, for the opportunity. And let me just stop with this, with this statement. Jesus never wasted the authority of his words. He never wasted the authority of his words. I'll come back if you will. In John 24, verse 1 through 6. And today, this is what we're here for. We're here about the resurrection. And resurrection. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher and bringing the spices with them, they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher and they entered in and found not the body of Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed. They're, they're about. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth and they, say, and they said to them, 
Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not dear, he is not here, he is risen, he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake with thee when he was in Galilee. The last place I want to go to is in Hebrews. This is about Christ. He was present from the dead, and we're all rejoicing. We're here about uh, last week's Palm Sunday. Today is Resurrection Sunday, and he is alive. He just is. He's alive. But it's all in contingent on our lives for wanting to follow through and believe. If you have your Bibles, you go to Hebrews chapter 5, and I'm going to close here. The resurrection. You know, when he spoke to the guys and disciples and they were out fishing, he said, um, cast on the other side. They'd heard that story before. And they responded. And you go and read it. And Peter himself jumped in the water and swam to Jesus. But in Hebrews chapter 5, Verse 7 through 9. From the, from the days of his flesh, he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Being made perfect, he became the authority of eternal salvation unto all them and to all them that obey him. There's not a person in here that has not learned from suffering. There's not a person in here, in here that has not been through disappointments and learned a lesson from it. So why is it we think Christians don't suffer? Christians don't have hardships. Or we think because we come to know the Lord that, that everything's perfect. Never has been, never will be. Because we learn the most when we are faced with, with trials and calamities and even Jesus himself he learned he learned obedience by the things which he suffered this is Easter but what have we learned have we learned obedience Bow heads with me if you would. The last scripture I read, they learned obedience by the things he suffered. every life that's here and I mean not just a form of, of knowing but let me ask you a question is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life has he made a difference the one who was resurrected, the one we sing about the one we sing there ain't no grave gonna hold our body down the same Lord who, who lived 2,000 years ago and continues to live today See the Lord in your life. And I know this is Easter. I know there's a lot of people here. With their heads bowed and your eyes closed. And maybe you say, I don't know you, Lord. I, 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 like to, I like to know him. I want to make a commitment to the Lord. I want to learn obedience through all the things I've suffered through life. But I want to continue to learn obedience as I grow. But I want to give him the number one place in my life. Is there anyone in this place with that on your mind?